Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with this morning. Are you ready to hear from the Word of God? Do we have at least a few hungry people in the room? That's encouraging. That's encouraging. I'm one of them. I'm hungry for more of God. Oh. Sure. <laughs> John 19. Oh, thanks. John 19 is where we're going to read a couple verses this morning. As you open up there, we are sort of kicking off our Easter week. If you can say that, anybody excited about Easter season? Okay, my goal is that by the end of this, we're going to be a lot more excited than that. A lot more excited than that. So uh, this Sunday is uh, Palm Sunday, and so it's our Palm Sunday service. It's also our Good Friday service, since we don't have one on Friday. So two for one. Does that sound good? Some of you are looking at me like you're angry that we're not having a Good Friday service. Y'all can come. Here, it's great. John 19, we're going to read a couple verses, all right? Are you there? Awesome. We're starting in verse 28. We're going to read three whole verses this morning. The title is The Death of Jesus. Sounds significant. It says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, To fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they, the guards, put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it to Jesus' mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Say, it's finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. He bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. I love the Easter season. I'm thankful that uh, we have this rhythm in our calendar where everybody has to deal with the resurrection of Jesus. Whether you go to church or not, there's church signs everywhere, and uh, that's awesome. Every church has like 6,000 services, except for us, we have one, which is going to be awesome. Uh, but it's just so cool. Everybody gets invited to church. You just get slammed in the face with, hey, Jesus rose from the dead, even if you didn't think about it the other 360, however many days in the year. Here we are. I'm, I'm thankful that that's a rhythm in our calendar. So I'm thankful for the holiday of Easter. I'm thankful for all the, the pastel colors and the, the candy-filled eggs, and the, the fact that my daughter is probably going to wear an adorable dress next week because she loves that. I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I mean, who doesn't love all of these things about Easter, right? These are all amazing things. And as we celebrate the holiday of Easter this year, I want to start off kind of our Easter week, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, whatever we're going to call it. I just want to kick this off by encouraging us that as we celebrate the holiday of Easter, I want us to remember that Easter isn't just a holiday. I want us to remember this morning and this week and this year that Easter is not just a celebration of a holiday. It's not, Easter is, is amazing. It is a few days on the beginning of spring or whatever we call this season <laughs> that we're having here right now. Easter is a couple of days at the beginning of spring, but it's so much more than a couple of days at the beginning of spring. Amen? And it's not just a holiday that honors events a long time ago, something that happened that we don't want to forget. It's not just a holiday because it memorializes an event. Easter is a celebration of events, yes, but it's, it's more than that. It's a celebration of a revolution. Easter is a celebration of a revolution. It's a story. The Easter is the celebration of a story of passion and of love, of sacrifice, and a story of a revolution when God, stepped into the human reality and completely revolutionized what was possible for us. It's a revolution. It's a revolution week. And I, do, I just don't want to reduce it to a holiday. I'm thankful for the holiday, but I don't want to reduce it to a holiday, right? 
Because holidays are, are like vacations. They're great, but they're not real life, you know? <laughs> it just kind of comes around every once in a while. And I want to preach a message to you this morning. Put this at the top of your notes titled, A New Normal. A New Normal. Holidays aren't real life, but Easter is a celebration of a whole new normal. May have faith this morning. <laughs> as we get started and as we do this this morning, my, really my one goal is just to preach too much of the gospel to you. To turn on the fire hose with too much good news, too much Jesus, too much Bible, and we just leave here full of God whether you want it or not. How's that sound? Because let's just go for it. Does that sound good? Because that's a bold thing to say. It's a revolution. Those are not light things. Those change everything, as we like to say around here, right? This changes absolutely everything. And um, I'm just praying this morning that, you know, clearly we don't like doing things neat and tidy around here. We just like going crazy when people get healed from cancer and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to preach the gospel like it's true, and we're all going to receive it like we believe it, and it changes everything. Can we do that? So I'm going to talk about two questions this morning that uh, I think are fair to ask if, if you were given a few minutes to think about some of the things that I just said at the beginning, that this isn't just a holiday, this is a revolution. I think that there's a couple questions that would come into your mind if you're a thinking person, because that's a bold thing to say. And I can get away with it because I'm on a microphone and everyone's like, you know, how great. But if you think about it, it's like, wow, that's a bold statement to say this is a revolution that changes absolutely everything about the human experience. <laughs> woo if this was just a guy who died on a, house, uh, died on a cross 2,000 years ago, what does that have to do with the everyday new normal of humanity, right? So if we're going to talk about this and, and engage this truth that this is, in fact, a revolution, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, then I think that there's a few questions that are fair to talk about. And the first question I want to talk about is, is if it was just a man that died on a cross 2,000 years ago, that wouldn't change that much. But if this changes everything, then I think a fair question is, what died on the cross? If the cross is so significant, what died on that cross? You ready for the Bible? Romans 6.23 says this. It says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's encouraging. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, that for the sake uh, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. Did I do it all out of order? For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know about you, but there's these times in these things that I read in the Bible all the time and I think, oh, that's great. And I keep reading and I totally miss the point. Because, you know, you get some separation from the events, or maybe you've read the verses a bunch, and you're like, oh, that's great. That's encouraging. But what if we, like, believed some of this stuff? Sometimes I ask myself reading that Bible, I go, oh, no, I don't believe this. <laughs> I, I don't live like it. I, I don't know if I believe that right there. If I believed it, things would look a little bit different. But I want to ask you this morning, do you believe that it wasn't just a man who died on that cross, but that sin died on that cross? Sin died on that cross that day. Jesus didn't just die for your sins. He died as your sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Let's put it back up there. He made him to be sin. <laughs> wow. He didn't just die for sins. He was sin. He took it on. 
as him and died that day. Sin died that day. Sin died that day. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Why? So that you could become the righteousness of God. I think sometimes we read that verse and we say that he made him to die for sins so that I can spend my life trying to work hard to line up to be righteous like God. That is not what it says. That verse isn't in the Bible. It's a little different in the text than it is in my head sometimes. Am I alone in that? Okay. See, when you surrender to the revolution of the cross, you're actually separated from your sin as far as the east is from the west. When you surrender to this revolution that sin died on the cross, he forgives you of all of your iniquity and he doesn't treat you according to as your sins deserve, but he treats you according to his very own righteousness. Can we talk about the Bible this morning? It's time, I believe, for us to receive and believe in the revolution of the cross, the revolution of Easter. I think the world is hungry that I'm personally hungry to live this existence as an individual I believe that we're hungry for it as a church here at Antioch, as a church in the body of Christ, and that the world is looking for a revolutionary church that believes that it wasn't just a cute event that we celebrate with pastel colors 2,000 years ago, but it was a revolution of the human existence, that sin died on that cross. And there's something that we've got to believe that sin died on that cross. And I'm going to give you a little test. Since we're talking about questions, I'll give you a test. This is how you know if you believe if sin died on the cross or not. You know that you don't believe sin died on the cross if you still consider yourself a sinner. I say it with a smile because it's not harsh. It comes off like that. You were a sinner, but then you got saved by grace. And then you got made a new creation and adopted as a child of God. You got born completely new again is what Jesus says. And now the Bible says you're a saint. You're a saint by calling. Do you still sin? Do I still sin? Yeah. But by the grace of God, it doesn't make me a sinner. (laughs) I'm a saint. I just don't act like it all the time. (laughs) Which is very different than I'm a sinner and I'm trying not to be. Woo! Can we get free this morning? (laughs) We're going to ruffle some feathers, but it's just because Jesus is good. See, that we get these pet truths, or well, they're lies that we call them truths in church because it lines up with our experience. Sometimes I read the Bible and God says, well, I heal the sick. And I say, well, I still see some sick people, so I don't know if God heals the sick. We can build theology in this understanding of God based on our experience, right? And we start fogging up the things that the word of God says, but our experience doesn't change who God is. Our experience doesn't change what God says. We want to line up with what he says. And I think that it starts, a revolutionary church starts with realizing we're not sinners anymore because we got saved by grace. There's this phrase we always say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner saved by grace. It's a new day. It's a new normal, my friends. That means a lot of things. We'll talk more about it as we go, I guess. I'm getting excited, so I'm getting off my notes, and I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I just want you to believe that sin died on the cross that day. Can I tell you some other things that died on the cross that day? My wife's down for it. I don't know if you... 
Anybody else? Can we talk about what died on the cross? Sin died on that cross. I want to tell you some other things that died on the cross. Shame died on that cross. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 12.1. Austin, I'm about to make you work back there. Guilt died on that cross, Hebrews 4.16. Now we can approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. No guilt can keep you from Jesus. Your past died on that cross. The Bible says this, one thing that I can do is press on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3 says. Philippians 4 tells me that anxiety died on that cross. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, just let your requests be known to God. Sickness died on that cross. We're seeing it true in our lives right now. And Isaiah 53, 5 tells us that it was by his stripes we're healed. He was wounded for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we're healed. Sickness died on that cross. Hopelessness died on the cross. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you, my friends, may abound in hope. Discouragement died on the cross that day. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1. Isaiah 41.10 tells me that fear died on that cross. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear another hand that may rise up against you. The right hand of God upholds you. Fear died on the cross that day. And in Psalm 16, we hear that the empty promises of a world that cannot satisfy you anyways died on that cross. Jesus makes known to me the path of life. I don't need to go somewhere else looking for it. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't need to get distracted by things that tell me they will satisfy, but they won't. They died on the cross that day. There were some things that died on the cross. It wasn't just a man with skin and bones. There was a lot that died on the cross that day. And this, Romans 8 tells me, is why I am so sure that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Anybody else feel like you're getting a shower this morning in the word of God? It's like it's good news. Crazy, right? It's good news, this revolution. And if it was, if everything about this revolution was wrapped up in what died on that cross, that would be good enough, amen? That would be some really good news. If we believed everything that the Bible just said about us, do you think anything in our life might change slightly? <laughs> slightly. If that was everything, this would be good news. But here goes God, the original infomercial, because wait, there's more. Do you believe that about God? 
See, this is what's so powerful about Easter. They saw him die, but wait, there was more. (laughs) We need a little reworking in our theology sometimes because we think God's going to give us just enough if we ask hard enough. But my Bible says that he is willing and able to do abundantly and exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Oops. And why? For the glory of Christ Jesus in the church. (laughs) If that was everything, that would be enough. But do you know that it's not the end of the story? Even if what died on the cross was everything that died on that cross, it would be good news, but there's more. We're going to spend all of eternity searching this truth out. There's always more. This is why heaven's going to be awesome, not because of white robes and angel babies and diapers. It's an eternity of exploring the reality of this revolution. What died on that cross? But to understand the new normal for here and now, your every day, the reason this revolutionizes your normal, gives you a new normal, is not only because of what died on the cross, but because of who died on that cross with Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus didn't just die for your sin, he died as your sin. And Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. I've been crucified with Christ. (laughs) You know what this means? Can I tell you one of my favorite things about this? This means that I don't have to listen to the devil accusing me anymore. And neither do you. (laughs) I see the wheels turning. It means we don't have to listen to the devil when he starts accusing us. Because the sinner that he's accusing died on that cross. You can't accuse me if I died. I'll live like it, okay. I don't have to listen to the devil telling me about all the things I've got to still carry, about all the things I used to be. It's all true. I absolutely was those things. I absolutely did those things, but that man died. (laughs) That man died. Like I said, Jesus said to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, if you want to live into this kingdom, I'm not asking you to be a better person. You just need to get born again. He says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. One of my least favorite words that we use when we talk about Christian walk and all this kind of stuff and Jesus and how do we do this is is balance. (laughs) Because... Because there's no balance in, in, in any of this. It doesn't say some of the old left and some of the new came and it's coming at a progressive rate so that at some point you'll be a better person than you ever were if you go to church enough. <laughs> Can we laugh at ourselves a little bit in our really bad theology that we live sometimes? Can we just, I know, it, I know, I was telling Heather, I was like, I want, I'm gonna have so much fun this Sunday. This is gonna be amazing, but I feel like everyone's gonna feel like I'm mad at them. Like, it's just coming out harsh, but it's not harsh. It's amazing. It's the gospel. It's good news. It's like this actually really matters and changes everything. 
Because the Bible does not tell me that some of the old went and some of the new came until I earned the rest. If you're what? In Christ. That's all it takes. New creation. Boom. All of it. All the way. Born again. Hallelujah. Saved by grace. I know some people, when we start talking about this kind of thing, they're like, well, doesn't that sound arrogant? Oh, it's not arrogant at all because I didn't do a thing. <laughs> but it's true. This is so important. This is so important because this changes everything. If Jesus didn't die alone on that cross, if he died as me, <laughs> this changes a lot. And this changes everything for us right now. It's so relevant to us in our everyday life, in our everyday world, and the lives that we're trying to live because we live in a world, in a culture, in a society, and in bodies that are obsessed with ourselves. Like, ourselves. It's, it's, it's all about self, self-discovery, self-actualization, self-empowerment, self-importance, self-ishness, self, 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 self. We, we get so wrapped up in ourself, and, and we can, we can kind of get a little loopy with it, and we can get caught up on this, like, self-kick thing. And, and, and honestly, in church, I've been there and done that. It's like, I, got, I get looped on myself in underneath church language. Like, I got to figure this out so that I can do everything God's called me to do, so that I can be all, called, all, all God has called me to be. I need to figure out who I am and who, how I work and all of these sorts of things. And before anybody walks out, I'm not bashing the Enneagram test. Don't worry. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Personality tests are amazing. The Enneagram had a really creepy experience with Google last night. I was typing that out to figure out how to spell it, and it auto-filled the number that I am that somebody told me. I've never searched it on my computer before, so somebody's watching. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> but I, I, don't want you to hear the, I don't want you to hear me saying this and saying, well, you died, so you don't matter. Have you ever you heard that one in church? We go across the other street, you died. Ah! Don't talk about you. Don't worry about you. You don't matter. Your gifts, your personality, none of this matters. It's just Jesus. And you're like, oh, it sounds right, but I don't know. Like, it makes it hurts me. It hurts my feelings, right? I'm not saying that you don't matter. I'm saying that you matter so much that God stepped out of heaven, took on flesh and bone, considered equality with God, not something to be grasped, but made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and made himself humble and obedient even to death, death on a cross so that he could buy you back and be in relationship with you just because he loves you. You are so important. You're so important that God has taken care of you so you don't have to. That's what I'm saying. We just get to make others great. See, Jesus didn't just save us from our sins. He saved us from ourselves. And I don't like hearing that, but then I start thinking about myself. And I needed saving from that guy. Badly. And I'm thankful for it. Jesus didn't save you from your personality, your gifts, your calling. Just yourself. Yourself. 
yourself and having to live your life always trying to fix yourself and discover yourself and worry about yourself and validate yourself and, and, and fight for yourself. He took care of yourself. And now, since we no longer live, Jesus lives in us. So that means that we can just focus our lives not on getting to know ourselves, but on getting to know Jesus. And when we get to know Jesus, we'll learn everything we need to know about us along the way. Because here's the deal. You're so important. Who you are is so important, so needed, so valued by God. He, he knows your gifts more than you ever could. He knows what he's called you to more than you ever could. He's more determined to the destiny on your life than you could ever be. We just get to focus ourselves on Jesus, and he will, he will take you exactly where he's calling you to go. He will do it because you matter. You matter so much. Your personality is amazing. Your gifts are amazing. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. They're a perfect match for his strength. It's a setup, guys. It's a setup. The system's rigged to walk with Jesus. It's amazing. It doesn't sound comfy and cozy and and I know it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like it, it's, I get it. Like I get it that it's hard, but I just, I hope that we can understand that it's not about reducing value. It's about accepting how valuable we really are, that God would save me. And now he lives in me so that I can be me for him. And all he left me to do was love him with everything in my heart and love my neighbor. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot, I know. You, but it's good, and it's Jesus. I mean, just imagine how much less we would have to worry about in life if we really could accept the fact that we didn't have to take care of ourselves and didn't have to fight for ourselves. And we could really live like we got crucified with Christ, and now Jesus lives in us. I mean, imagine, like, when you're weary and you're heavy laden, if we really believed we could just come to Jesus and he'd give us rest and we could learn from him because he is gentle and lowly at heart and he gives rest for our souls. What, 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 it, what, if, what would it look like to be impossible to offend and carry offenses? Because if I died, then nobody can really offend me anyways. But, so that's good. But then people really do offend you and you really do get hurt or abused, or wrong things really do happen, and they happen to you, and it's for real. But since Jesus lives in you, it's not for you to, to take care of it. They really did it to him. So you can just let him take care of it on his time, and you get to live free. I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm saying Jesus is gonna take care of it. And you can trust him. I mean, how, how can I get stuck in thinking that, that my race is better than another race if I died? And now I'm a chosen race and a royal priesthood. And we all are in it together. And God doesn't see white and black and brown and all those sorts of things. Celebrates every single bit of it. But at the end of the day, we're his race. For his possession. How can I possess anybody? I'm possessed. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, like, we think that Jesus fits on Sundays at church, but like, what if it's a revolution? What if it's a new normal? 
What if Jesus applies to everything in our everyday life and he really does not want to control it, wants to set you free. Wants to set you free from everything that's tanking the world around us. What if you are really the walking example and answer for the problems in the world that your friends are facing and you're going to talk to them this week? What if it really is when we said, uh, I think it's just Jesus. What if it's true? I think it might be. I think it might be. How can I let our political differences separate us in relationship? Because uh, we may not have the same opinion about this president or that political person or this policy, but we have the same king and we're part of the same kingdom that's bigger than all of it anyways. That's why there's people in this church that disagree on a lot of stuff and it's okay. And I don't need to see your voting registration before you can be a member at our church. Please bring your differences. Let's just submit to Jesus over all of it though, right? Because that's what we're going for. As long as neither one of us think that Donald Trump is the savior of the world, then we don't have anything to get that worked up about. Okay. See, your weakness, great candidate for the strength of God. Your past, nothing's too bad to surpass his calling on your life. Your failures, they're no match for his grace. Your, your distractions, they can't, they can't touch his beauty. They can't touch his beauty. Your needs are nothing according to his glorious provision and the riches of Christ Jesus. He doesn't heal you. He doesn't just heal. He doesn't just love. He doesn't just forgive. He isn't just healer. He isn't just forgiver. He is life. And he is life abundantly. It's a new normal, my friends. It's a new normal. Wrapped up in Jesus. He really is better than we think. He really is. He really is. How do we live in this new normal? What does it look like? Sounds crazy. Well, Jesus, just before he went to the cross, he gave us the key to living in what he was about to purchase on the cross. He's at dinner with some of his friends. He's about to get arrested, betrayed, crucified, pour out everything. They don't know really what's about to happen, and they for sure don't know the extent of what it's going to mean. Neither do we. I mean, we've got a long way to go. So he knows that they don't really get the whole picture. But he still steps in, and that's okay, because he gets the whole picture. So even when we don't, it's okay as long as we stick with him. Amen? So he's eating dinner with his friends who have no idea about what's going to happen. And he's, say, he's thinking, okay, how do I give them something that's going to help them understand how to live and what I'm about to do? And so he takes this piece of bread and he breaks it. And he says, this bread is my body is broken for you. It's broken for you. I want you to eat this. And then he takes some wine and he pours it in a cup, and he says, this is my blood that I'm pouring out for the forgiveness of sins. I want you to drink it. I want you to eat this bread, and I want you to drink this cup, and here's the key, and remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me when you're all caught up in a bunch of other stuff. Remember my body. Remember that whatever feels like it's binding you, it's been broken. Remember my body. Remember what I broke when I broke. Remember me. 
And take this cup and remember me. Remember me when you feel like you can't get free from an old life, when everything else is dragging you down, when you don't know how to do what it is that I've called you to do. Remember I poured out my blood into you. It's a new life. Remember the new life through the new blood. Remember me. It's a new normal, guys, he was saying. It's a new normal. I'm, I'm buying for you, purchasing for you, accomplishing for you a whole new normal. A whole new normal. But it's not complicated. Just remember me. Remember me. When you can't believe it, just remember me. When it's hard, remember me. When you don't have the answers, just remember me. Remember me. So we're going to remember Jesus as we end our time together. We're going to have the band come back up, and our host team is going to pass some elements of communion. They're not as glorious as they were that night. Wafers and juice, amen? We're going to take communion, and we're going to remember Jesus this morning. We're going to remember Jesus this Easter season. Not just remember a holiday that we celebrate the first Sunday in April. But we're going to remember a whole new normal. And as we worship together, I just, I want you to respond however you, you need to respond. I don't know what it looks like. But all I'm asking, all I'm encouraging you to do is just remember Jesus. And I want you to take this not as a ritual, but as an invitation from the Holy Spirit. Hold, the, hold this bread and hold this cup in your hands and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do I need to remember about Jesus? Jesus said to his friends, he said, it's going to be better for you that I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit after me and he's going to remind you. <laughs> he's going to remind you of everything. <laughs> everything. And so this is not a moment of shame and guilt. It's a moment of freedom. I believe that in these moments, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance some things or remind you of some things that you've been holding on to, that you've been trying to remind Jesus about, that he forgot about when he died for it. And I think that there's probably going to be some things that may come to your mind that you're going to think, wow, I haven't thought about that in forever. And the Holy Spirit's just saying, you haven't been thinking about it, but you've been carrying it, and it's time to put it down. Just remember me. Remember me. Remember, ask him, Holy Spirit, what did Jesus break off my life when this body broke? And take it as his body and receive freedom through the broken body of Jesus. And take the cup and ask him, Lord, where am I not living a brand new life? Where am I not believing that I have the ability and the calling to live a new life because I have new blood? I'm a new creation. I think it's going to be a few minutes of some freedom in the room. And so we're going to worship, and we'll see where we go from there. I want you to bring your miracles that you need to Jesus. And he just might do it right here, right now, as we remember him. So our host team is going to pass this stuff, and you just kind of take it at your own pace as we worship. You can stand, dance, sit, do whatever. I think communion can be super mellow. It doesn't have to be. I just want you to respond however it is that you want to respond as you remember Jesus. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to remind us in these moments. Lord, we love you so much. 
And I thank you, God, not just for a holiday, but for a whole new normal. I thank you, Lord, for what died on that cross with you. And I thank you for who died on that cross with you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come and do what only you can do. In these 10, 15 minutes we have, Lord, we just want to remember you. Holy Spirit, we were told that you would come in this room right now and you would remind us about everything. So, remind us, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask right now for your grace and for the anointing in this room right now to break off things that have been being carried for far too long. Lord, I ask for a grace to let go, a grace to lay stuff down. Lord, I ask for miracles in this moment. Give us faith right now, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit.